This is the Humble Chronicles. I am the queen of everything. I gotta be high before I can sway. Lighter tea and let it be. If you a viper. I'm Chuck Rogers with producer Larry Trask and Comet the Radio Dog. The Humboldt Chronicles is made possible by Proper Wellness Center and Lost Coast Exotics. Much appreciation for your support of the Humboldt Chronicles. We are back in the studio after more than a year. In fact, exactly 14 months. Larry, it's good to see you and Comet. You as well. This may be the first time we've seen each other. Since uh, March. I I think my last day in the studio was March 19th of last year. Wow. Well, we talked to each other on the phone. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. It's it's nice to see you in person. And it feels a little, I have to say, it feels a little weird. We're Mm -hmm. both vaccinated. Yep. And neither of us are are sick. So there's zero chance, literally zero chance. Yep. Either one of us is going to get COVID. And yet I'm a little nervous. I I am I don't have a mask on. Yeah, I don't either. And this is new. We have to relearn all this. We have to relearn sociology, right? <laughs> yes. I guess. Uh, did you adapt to working at home? And I, I, I came. I came to like. I'm not going to give it up completely. Yeah. I mean, I'm still going to. You know, I'll be starting to come back into the radio station a little more than I right, used to. Right. 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 But you know, I got everything set up so nice at home. It's you know. And you get so much done. I get so much while done. you're working. You can have the laundry going or something. Right. You know. And I resisted the temptation. To move a, a little mini fridge of beers into my <laughs> studio at home, so I'm keeping it profesh all the way. Uh huh. Good so, for you. Yeah, no yeah. cocktails. Not not until the bell rings. Not not until the proper time. Yes, that's part, <laughs> part of the deal. Uh, which vaccination did you get? I got the Pfizer. Okay, I got Moderna. Did you? Uh, had a little bit of arm pain after the first. It just felt like you'd been throwing a baseball too much or something. Yeah, same me. And then the second one, uh, that was a little more intense. Plus, I had. Uh, maybe a low-grade fever after the second one, a little bit of a chill. I didn't sleep real real well, but, you know, the next day it was fine. Yeah, beats so, COVID. I, I'm glad I got it. I, I would even be okay with a booster if they decide that boosters are necessary next year or whenever. Absolutely. I would still do that, I'd too. Like, i like to have an IV of it, just walk around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's, an, that's a business idea right there, Larry. <laughs> So what are we talking about on this episode of The Chronicles? Well, you know, funny story, Chuck. Yeah. You're going to get a kick out of this. Okay. So as you know, we had an episode lined up, and we had it plotted out, right. and we had our guest established, and we yep. were all ready to go, and we were kind of excited because we were going to be back live in the studio right. and everything. And then we had a, there was a small problem with the, the guest is unable to make it. Due to, due to legitimate reasons, not flaking, just yeah. you know, had to cancel at the last minute. So uh, so today's Chronicles is going to be a little bit different than usual. It's just us. Hey, we, you, you and I. And Comet. Yes, okay. and Comet. And, and right. between the three of us, I think Comet is probably the most knowledgeable. <laughs> That's so, a, that may be true. Because usually what we do, obviously what we usually do is we have experts in the field yeah. come in and into the show and talk about the topic and so we pepper them with questions mm-hmm. and they provide us with authoritative answers right so today we're just asking questions we're the authorities well sort of. <laughs> we got questions well there you go maybe no answers but well that's all right it's our job to pose questions so, so. we're going to do it kind of it's going to be right. kind of breezy a little bit okay. free form we've got a, a, a couple of different things that we're going to 
talk about, um, and uh, we're just going to kind of move along. If you okay. you're not as old as I am, but uh, the, remember the Huntley Brinkley report? Yes. Cut. Chet Huntley and David Brinkley. Exactly. We're going to kind of do it like that. All right. Which so, one? Which one? Who's Chet and who's David? Well, we're going to have to work that out. All right. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. All right. We'll, we'll figure it out by the end. <laughs> but I thought, you know, one thing that we, we could talk about a little bit, mm-hmm. because it's it's very much in the news and it's very significant, is the drought. Yes. Uh, is, you know, I mean, just as we're beginning to see the light at the end of the pandemic tunnel, uh, along comes a, a drought, which yeah. I guess is not completely unexpected. Right, uh, we're we're familiar with it, but it's a uh, it's it's pretty bad this year. And uh, situation inland is is more acute than on the co- on the coast, but we're affected by it as well. In fact, our 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 neighbor Mendocino yeah. is now officially in a water shortage emergency, and reg- residents are required to use up to forty percent less water than normal, which is. Not the easiest thing to do. That's according no. to a CalMatters report. Yeah, I, I read that report, too. I think that's that's the same report, as I recall, that raises the possibility that there are going to be some communities, especially just just north of uh, Ukiah. They're still in Mendocino County, uh, but inland from the town of Mendocino, just north of Ukiah. Some of those communities, they're saying, may not be able to supply enough water to agricultural customers. So, you know, the question then becomes, well— how does that impact cannabis cultivation? Yeah, you know, I mean, we know that we know from some past shows that we've done that that cannabis is a is a hardy crop, yeah, and it can grow grow in dry conditions. In fact, uh, one of our guests from uh, oh about a year ago, I guess, yeah, uh, actually dry farms and does not irrigate right. at all. But I, you know, my guess is that you can't just switch. Like if you're used to irrigating, maybe you can't turn on a dime and just start mm-hmm. dry farming. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, some say that a hot, dry climate actually is better for cannabis uh, and helps to deter mold and, and keeps uh, yeah. the root systems intact. But not every strain thrives in extreme conditions. No, and of, of course, this this would be different. There would be different impacts, I guess, for sun-grown, that is outdoor versus indoor, but each needs at least some water, right? And what do you, what do, you do if the supplier, whether it's the clouds or city pipes shut the water off or restrict it to to a point where it, it becomes a critical problem what, what do you do then who do you go to who do you see about that yeah and it's just un- unclear we dug around a little bit in the short time we had to prepare for this uh what the impact is going to be specifically on cannabis farmers mm-hmm. and i there's not a lot of information out there right now no but but it is in fact it's it's also it's not just California it's also Oregon and Colorado is having some of the same problems right now as well uh, so it, it's it's all over the the west and the southwest for sure but you mentioned dry farming and your I recall that interview that we did I think that was sometime last year um, dry farming as I recall is is cultivation without irrigation at least as we would think of irrigation and it's 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 important for you to have a strain, I guess, that can retain what little moisture there might be in the soil. Is that right? I, I think that is right. When we talked to that person, in fact, I went back and listened to a little bit of that. Oh, you did earlier today, and she said that yeah, there you know there is some strain selection, but that in her opinion, a lot of it can be grown without irrigation at all, without experiencing any kind of you know lesser yield or anything like that. But I I would I would expect that you you have to you know you it's not something you could just pick up tomorrow like there's no. there are probably a, entirely different techniques 
and things that you have to know in order to make it work. And it's, the soil composition, sure, uh, I would think would would make a difference. Yeah, this person was growing on a, a, a floodplain, so ah. it, you know it got lots of water over the course of the year. Uh-huh. And, uh, that would be retained well underground yeah. where the roots could find it. Right. It might seem dry on the surface, but there could be just enough for a hardy plant like this. Yeah. And they done they had done special things to mm-hmm. uh, help the soil retain the water. So I don't think that dry farming is going to be, you know, a viable option for very many people. Yeah. There, that's that's a learning curve it would sound like to me for a cultivator who's not used to it right i, I would think so it's somewhat of a risk if you're not used to it absolutely you would need somebody to consult with well i mean because that's all your eggs in one basket potentially. Uh, absolutely yeah. i i want did did that interview uh i don't recall how prevalent dry farming is i don't really know i don't get the sense that it it is that no it is that used i mean you find reference to it in various sources online but i i don't really think that that's i think that's a tiny proportion yeah. of the overall crop especially here along the coast because uh, you know this is not some something that folks have been used to you know dry farming it's just not been that big a deal here but it could be in the future i suppose so yeah i mean the thing that you have to think about with the with the drought conditions this year is it's not like we can just say well let's just get through this drought this year you know do what we have to do and then and then we'll be good mm-hmm. because if you if you believe these crazy liberals this <laughs> this is the this is the wave of the future yeah i mean the, these drought conditions are just going to happen more and more frequently it's going to be hotter and drier all over and we're already seeing it um the the interesting thing for me though is that um you know we hear and have heard for uh, a long time about the fact that that cannabis is drought resistant uh, and exactly what does that mean? And, uh, you know, I, I actually looked that up and found all kinds of different definitions. And I mean, who, you know, who really know? drought resistant is a little vague, right? Uh, but there are those who characterize it as um, uh, it, it, plants that can reduce their own transpiration, meaning the control of the moisture that is lost by the plant. So here we go back to dry farming then. Uh, a plant that's good at retaining whatever moisture it can find might be drought resistant. And so some strains would, would fit that definition. There's another one, though, that I had not heard of, and that's drought evasive. And what does that mean? That, that's those that mainly grow only when the conditions are not as severe as they could be in a given year, which would mean, you know, it, it would it would kind of shut down in this area, at least in the dry summer months, but then it would do most of its growth uh, you know, in the winter months, uh, the, the rainy months. Now, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know how that goes around here. And I don't know if there are any cultivators around here that really make that distinction. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know either. And you know, one thing that occurred to me as you were saying that is just thinking about the, the farmers that I've met and, and, mm-hmm. and that I've talked to. I mean, water conservation is on their mind, whether we're in a drought or not. I mean, these yeah. people are very, very aware of the need to conserve these mm-hmm. resources and use as little water as possible. So it's probably the case for at least some of them that they're already using what is basically the minimum amount yeah. of water that they can use. Yeah, and, and less than what you would expect. And, and you, you're right, some of the cultivators we've talked to, is even right here uh, on the Humboldt Coast, where, as you said earlier, this has not been a big issue, they're even saving water and have been for as long as you and I have been talking to them. That's right. So, which is a good thing. 
That is right. Well, you know what? I think I think now uh, is a good time for us to take a quick break. And uh, we, we have many, many important things that we planned long in advance to talk about after the break. So uh, we'll do that. All right. And we'll be right back. You got it on the Humboldt Chronicles. Welcome back to the Humboldt Chronicles. If you just joined us, we're doing a, a things a little bit different uh, this time than we normally do. We're talking about a couple of different things. Uh, but we, we're talking about the drought, and uh, that's currently... A big, a big issue, but that's not the only thing that these dry conditions portend. You know, the drought also raises another issue, and that's uh, the possibility of another extreme wildfire season. And I think a lot of people are predicting something like that this year, for you, sure. You know, what I was reading is that the, like, I think, I forget what the numbers were, but something like the, the five most severe wildfire seasons we've had have been within, like, the last yeah. decade. Yeah, no reason to think that that's going to stop this year. Yep. Well, how will that affect, and what kind of threat is that to cannabis cultivators, especially here in California? And what I've been reading on that, uh, you know, in preparing for what we thought was going to be an interview with somebody tonight, but what I've been reading on that is that um, there are concerns not just from the flames, which which wiped out uh, whole fields of, of cannabis last year, as we recall, um, but also... Uh, threats from the wildfire smoke and the ash and there's some scientists who study this kind of thing on on crops of all kinds and the concern is if the uh, if the wildfire smoke and the ash especially settles on the leaves of a plant it can block out the sunlight which of course can affect how much sunlight the plant takes in then which can affect its growth and its production so uh, in, in looking forward to uh, what might happen this year, that's a huge concern, um, you know, as, as the wildfires spread further and further and further and become more intense. Wow. You know, I mean, that, that makes obvious sense. I had yeah. never had really thought about I that before. I didn't know. In my mind, if, unless your field burned it was it was fine. It was okay, but that's not necessarily the case. It it, it has obviously a, a lot to do with proximity to a wildfire and whether you're downwind or upwind or you know how far the uh, the smoke and the ash might be traveling from a wildfire and whether you're uh, in the path or not. So there you know there there are a lot of considerations there, but but it's not just the flames and and the more land that the wildfires impact, then there could be other places adjacent to that that may not be burned but may be impacted by the smoke and the ash and that includes cannabis and they've also studied hemp as well uh, and so it, it, it can have an impact and uh, the other thing I found out I did not know this maybe you did there is what's called a U.S. drought monitor it's actually an office in the government it's part of the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the University of Nebraska at Lincoln, and NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, and they monitor all this stuff, and they're very concerned. And if you if you Google them online and look at their maps of where they're concerned, uh, Humboldt County, Mendocino County, Trinity, Del Norte, Siskiyou, all, Lake County, all of these counties in here, Sonoma as well, we're in the deep red where they're expecting um, widespread extreme conditions this year, of course, except right along the Humboldt coast. But, you know, a few miles inland, they're still expecting things to happen. And that includes, of course, 
Willow Creek, which was so hard hit last year. They I don't even know how many days of uh, bad air quality they had last year. It seemed like it was a lot. Yeah, man, I, I remember that. I, I remember being here on the coast and ha- having it be like almost nighttime dark, yeah. at like two in the afternoon, and knowing as bad as it was here, mm-hmm. like in Willow Creek, it was way worse. Willow Creek, Hoopa, Orleans, Wichipec, all through, all through the area. Um, and, uh, you know, there are also concerns, obviously, further inland. Um, you know, the drier it gets and the hotter it gets, uh, you know, the more intense things can be. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about the possibility, again, of millions of acres through the state of California, as well as, you know, Colorado and southern Oregon, especially. And, and Oregon was hard hit as well uh, last year. And, and they're expecting for this to be a problem again. Um, nobody can predict whether it will be, you know, better or worse than last year. But, you know, what they already know is that reservoirs across the western U.S. are low. Uh, Temperatures are going up. Uh, Fire season is starting earlier. The rains are starting later in the fall. So it's a, it's a, is there really even a wildfire season anymore? Uh, Maybe it's nine or ten months long at this point. Maybe it's just December and January where it's not as bad at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, and it's, there's nothing, there's nothing that fills me with, with with uh with dread more than seeing oh there might be a, th- a thunderstorm i mean when i was yeah, on the lightning east, yeah. yeah when i was on the east coast i loved a good thunderstorm mm-hmm. you know the more the wind blew and the darker it got and the more violent it was mm-hmm. the more i enjoyed it yeah obviously i wasn't out in the midst of it it was safe somewhere. no but here it's like the worst thing i don't want to see any lightning no. In other parts of the country, you're right. Uh, a summer, uh, an afternoon thunderstorm kind of cools things off, and you get that smell of the rain in the air and all that, and it's nice. You know, it lasts a half hour or so, and then everything is nice again. But that's that's not what how we think of it here anymore, at least. Uh, at least not since these wildfires have gotten so bad. But, you know, unseasonably high temperatures they're expecting again. Um and, you know, they're also talking about, it. you know, it's time for cannabis cultivators to start taking, you know, a defensive wildfire strategy seriously and, and you know, clearing, you know, however much they, uh, they recommend. What is it, 20 to 40 feet around, you know, crops and houses and things like that and, and maybe have a catchment for, for water so that if you're in a rural area, uh, when firefighters get there, maybe there's a supply of water there in case you're too far away from there are other supplies, all those kinds of things, uh, which, of course, take time, energy, and money to do. And when do you have time to do all that? But, you know, we may be at the point where it's, it's just necessary for the survival of, uh, of the crops and the, and the cultivation business. It's interesting. You know, while you were saying that, I was thinking of federal programs that, that help out when, they're, when, when disaster strikes. And it, it, we, remember we said we're, we're going to have a lot of questions and maybe not so many answers. Yeah. Here's one question that I have that I don't have the answer to. Are cannabis farmers eligible for these federal benefits uh, in light of the fact that, you know, there's a lot of federal programs that they can't take advantage of because of the ridiculous uh, situation in Washington? Well, here we go again. It's interesting you mentioned that because um, I don't know if it was yesterday or early this morning. There there is a proposal that's being discussed in Congress right now um, that would send a a lot of money, $57 million or something like that. 
um, to this general region, the Klamath River Basin is what it's aimed at uh, because of, of drought conditions, that would go to farmers and fishermen and tribes and uh, uh, care for wildlife and so on uh, because of the drought conditions. Uh, but, but you're right. The question is, does that include cannabis farmers? Because it's federal money, and of course, this is all still federally illegal. So you have to think that as of right now, they would be cut out of that. Quite, quite possibly. I mean, it, it, it doesn't seem to be a, a one-to-one relationship with, you know, it, if it's federal money, it's automatically not mm-hmm. eligible. Uh, cannabis farmers are automatically not, not eligible. Some things, yes, some yeah. things, no. So you never, you never really know. And, and, and that's a huge amount of money that, that could bail out. Uh, farmers who've been having trouble over how many years now, uh, you know, in this general part of the of the country, and if cannabis cultivators don't get it, wh- what do they do? Yeah. Uh, you know, just one of the th- add that to the list of banking and crop there insurance, you and you know, yep, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, disaster aid now from the federal government. Something that that needs to be considered with with federal legalization. For sure. Hey, I wanted to mention one thing yeah. uh, about the drought. There's going to be a, uh, an online town hall uh, tomorrow that Senator McGuire is hosting. And so it, it sounds like, given the guest list, and I'll, I'll mention who the guests are, mm-hmm. it, it seems like it's mostly going to be concerned with areas south of here, but um, uh, uh, gathered to discuss the drought situation and California state uh, response to it. Joseph James, who's chairman of the Yurok tribe, uh, Grant Davis, who's general manager of Sonoma Water, also Ben Hornstein, general manager of Marin Municipal Water District, and uh, Carmel Angelo, who's the CEO uh, of Mendocino County. And this is going to take place tomorrow at 6.30, and there's ways to watch it uh, online and also participate by phone if you want to. So I would just say, you know, Google McGuire Town Hall. Yeah. I, I've got the URL here, but nobody would. <laughs> nobody yeah, would right, write it right, down. right. It's a right. it's a complicated URL, so just Google it. But just know that that's happening tomorrow at six thirty, mm-hmm. and uh, you can participate if you want. And you know, once you you look at that guest list, once again, that tells you uh, where some of this is uh, already critical. Even just this year, I mean, there's Mendocino, once again, just our neighbors to the south. Yeah, um, they're getting pretty hard hit with this. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, we got one more uh, segment to do here on tonight's exciting program. One other thing I want to put on your calendar, mm-hmm. 7 o'clock tonight. What's that? It's the uh, uh, the Warriors versus... Warriors-Lakers. Yeah. Are, do you have a prediction? I'm going I'm going Warriors. Are you? Yeah, because Steph is on fire. He is. Well, He's been averaging, what, 37, 38 points in this last stretch of the season where he's just been on fire, yeah. shooting from 35 feet. And Maybe we shouldn't say on fire. Oh. He's literally drowning in points. Wait, oh. that's, that's not good either. All right, this is a, definitely a good time. Take, Take a break. break. <laughs> yes. So we'll do that. You got it on the Humble Chronicles, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Humboldt Chronicles. I'm Chuck Rogers with Larry Trask and Comet the Radio Dog. And Larry, we've just been talking about uh, the fact that some of the cultivators, cannabis cultivators, might not be eligible for federal drought relief, but the state of California may not be forgetting about them? Maybe not. And that is a sweet, sweet transition to our final news segment where we take a look at today's headlines. Okay. Like that music. 
works for me. Puts you in the it, now you feel like it, now it's a I newscast. feel newsy. Yeah, let's get serious. Okay, because we're doing some headlines. Uh, headlines from from around the state and around the world, Chuck. Okay. So yeah, uh, Governor Newsom put out something that he is calling the California Comeback Plan. Newsom seems like he's got a lot of dough to give out, or at least... I wonder why that is right now. <laughs> going could, on. could it have something to do with politics and the recall? You know, it, it could. That's the cynical view. <laughs> I think it's just because... But but they're included in the California Comeback Plan is, is some information that's relevant to, to uh, people in the cannabis business. Because, as you know, their licensing has been kind of a mm-hmm. slow process. There's a backlog. Uh, a lot of people are still on provisional licenses, and they need to get off provisional licenses. So uh, the part of the California Comeback Plan includes uh, $100 million general in general fund money to go to local governments so that they can hire more people to process these license applications and uh, hopefully break the logjam, speed things through. And knowing, I've seen some estimates that say uh, of that $100 million, uh, Humboldt County could see as much as $18 million. Wow, just for Humboldt County? Yeah, that is that is the estimate. And this is money that would go to the government and could also go directly to applicants to help them complete like the CEQA requirements and things like that. Would some of the uh, folks here in Humboldt County say, and again, maybe this is cynical, you tell me, well, that's nice, we're glad to get that. Why didn't they think of this a couple of years ago when people were still having trouble getting, the whole thing was, has been, uh, a log jam for a long time now someone someone might say that and that someone might also say that this is something that could have been foreseen but yeah but anyway this is still a proposal you know yeah. it, it, it's not it's not law yet uh it's one of many proposals well but but given uh who controls the the levers of power in sacramento right now uh it, it's likely that they would support what newsom wants to do so i there's probably a good chance that this goes through right I would think so. I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm not as savvy as you are, but uh, mm. the, he does have some support in the uh, in the California legislature. Yeah, a little bit closer to home, there may be some plans for the former Sierra Pacific Mill. That's the place uh, mm-hmm. you know, out on uh, Samoa, Manila. I never know where one ends and the other one begins. Yeah, it's hard to tell <laughs> out there. There's a there's a kayak launch out there. That's how I know exactly That's where the dividing it is. Line. Yeah, right. So so some people, uh, three executives. This is a story that was in the Lost Coast Outpost, mm-hmm. uh, our, our sister publication. Uh, three executives up from Orange County are, are with a company called Victorum, and they talked about plans to transform the former Sierra Pacific Mill site into a, a cannabis operation. Uh, let's see, they would most specifically uh, be doing cultivation in indoor greenhouses with solar panels and LED lighting, they say. Hmm. And uh, they've, got, they've got big plans. From the article, it, it didn't sound as if they, they haven't applied for licenses yet. Uh, no, you know, money has changed hands, and it wasn't really clear that they had the funding in place to do this. So yeah. I got the sense that this was more of a plan than like, here's what's going to happen. Uh-huh. But uh, anyway, that was, uh, I thought that was kind of well, interesting. Well, I see in this information that you handed me that they're, uh, they're hoping, and that's, that's, I think, the critical word, hoping to raise $10 million from investors for this. Yeah. That's, a, that's a lot of money to raise. I, that's more than I've been able to raise. I, I've never raised that much, yeah. So. Um, 
and, and they're from Orange County. I, I recall I recall that that story at uh, Lost Coast Outpost. Uh, these guys were already calling themselves local. Yes, they were very very clear. That came up multiple times over and over again to say, "Hey, look." You know, technically, yes, we're from Orange County, but come on. We're going to buy a house. We're local. Right. And and some of them, I don't think a couple of them weren't even from Orange County. That's just where the company is yeah, based. Yeah, right, right, right. So anyway, we'll see what happens. But uh, if that if that goes through, that's jobs and industry coming in. So. What do we think about that? Uh, I mean, you know, on, on the one hand, as you just said, it could be jobs. And there are there are states that have offices whose job it is to go out and poach businesses from other areas and bring them in. So on the one hand, you would think, here's somebody who wants to bring jobs and money into our area and participate in an, in an industry that already exists here and is, you know, uh, doing as well as could be expected at this point. So on the one hand, that's to the good. On the other hand, is that taking opportunities away from other locals? I don't know. How, how do we, what do we think about this? Yeah, you know, there, there's always, a, I guess there's always that balance yeah. to think about. I mean, one thing that I, I was curious about, I mean, it, they talked about plans to, to establish an indoor grow facility. And while I, I suppose that real estate prices are a little bit less here in Humboldt than they would be mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, I mean, if you're growing indoors, you could do that in L.A., you sure could, and a lot do in big warehouses. So I, yeah, it's interesting to, to know a little bit more about what's going on with that. But um, we will keep our eye on it here in the, on the chronicles. Uh, also in Humboldt County news, you may remember we did a, a show with uh, the people from Project Trellis. Yes, uh, a little while back, and part of part of what they do, they they do a bunch of different things. Uh, but one of the things they do is uh, they're working on developing a marketing plan. Mm-hmm. For, for Humboldt County, and there was a there was a kind of an outline of a plan that had been released and was considered. And one of the recommendations in that outline was for the county to uh, partner up with a nonprofit agency and and let that agency implement the plan, come up with the details and implement the plan. And the county has put out its request for uh, proposals uh, on that. So if they're asking local nonprofits, either existing or I suppose new nonprofits, who might be interested in being responsible for uh, marketing humble County cannabis and, and establishing our brand uh, to submit uh, applications by 1.30 p.m. No later than 1.30 p.m. on June 30th. And mm. we expect our friends at the Humboldt County Growers Association to submit an application. They've said that, that they're, they're uh, uh, considering doing that. So. Oh, so they would submit an application themselves? They would become yes. If if they do that, they would become you know they they would seek to become the nonprofit that then is responsible that for then rolls the, out that marketing plan. Exactly. Okay, and they they're the ones who did the the whole study, and if if we're talk, if we're talking about the same one, that's the one where they actually studied uh, wine and other uh, things all over the world, right, to figure out how best to position a product in a in a market is that is this the same thing exactly yeah yeah it was to to compare other areas where where the the geographic area is really linked with a product Mm -hmm. like like coffee in hawaii oh right 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 kona yeah exactly so so anyway if you're if you're in a nonprofit and you're interested in getting in on this you just google humboldt county trellis program and you can get all the details on on how to apply Good. I'm, I'm glad that's going, and I'm glad the deadline is June 30th, because I know that there have been a lot of cultivators around here who have been very anxious for this to get going. 
we we've done so many shows in which the the idea of the you know the the value of the can the, mm-hmm. the value of the Humboldt brand is a significant thing, and I think a lot of people uh, believe that and want us to move forward. With yeah, to, yeah, yeah. You know, trying to act on that. Uh, another thing, this is a little this is a little weedy, but I'll just put this out there. A little weedy. Oh God, I I gotta stop that. That one was unintentional. You're good. That, I didn't mean that. Well, one. that shows you're a natural. Yeah. Uh, I'll get it on the, uh, the contest later. <laughs> Uh, so you remember Measure S mm-hmm. was this tax, and it was right. kind of weird because you had to pay a tax on your cultivation space, no matter what, whether you were cultivating or not. Yeah. So if you'd planned, you know, a certain size cultivation, but you weren't going to put it in until next year, you still had to pay tax on it this year. There was a, a, a court case about that Silva v. Humboldt, Humboldt County, uh, in which a judge uh, sided with the plaintiff and said no. You can't collect the tax if they're not cultivating. So there is a possibility if you've paid Measure S taxes mm-hmm. and you didn't cultivate, there is a possibility that you could get some of your, your measure, measure S tax back. So you would have to go through a, like an appeals process and... you got to prove you didn't cultivate. Yeah. There are very, you got to prove that you paid it. There are various other stipulations and it's, you know, like all these things, it's a, a, a somewhat involved legal process. But if you... Um, Go to the Assessment Appeals Board website, mm-hmm. which is humboldt.gov slash AAB. It's good that that's getting fixed. Yeah, there's there's details up there. And that, that always seemed weird to me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But um, anyway, we got time for uh, just a couple more things because we're running out okay. of time. But I want to ask you, have you ever been to uh, Oxford, Mississippi? I have been to Oxford, Mississippi. That's where Ole Miss is. The University of Mississippi is there. Yeah, I've been there. I've, I've only visited there. Uh, a couple of times, but... Uh, That's not too far from your neck of the woods. No, I grew up next door in Louisiana. So, well, then you know, I'm sure you know that the University of Mississippi for 50 years mm-hmm. has had a monopoly on the ability to grow cannabis. Yes. They, they were like the only entity in the United States that legally could grow cannabis, University of Mississippi, which they grew like a, not a whole ton of and did not very much with because doing research was uh, was problematic. Yeah. Well, now you, Chuck, could, could grow legal weed for the U.S. government. I could. Because the DEA finally, last week, after 50 years, <laughs> said that they were going to award licenses to some entities other than Ole Miss for, uh, for growing uh, uh, weed, which would be used in research projects. And Only took them 50 years to get there? Maybe they got there, though. Uh, well, and, you know, this whole thing at, at Ole Miss was always controversial. You probably know about this, that there was always suspicion, and we should say that it was, it was all alleged. There were, it was alleged that the University of Mississippi was designated as the place that could, could grow there and do the research because they somehow, in a uh, kind of an under-the-table agreement and a backdoor agreement and uh, all that kind of thing, agreed how the research would turn out. Huh. So that it would be, it would validate the war on drugs, and the reefer madness, and so on. That is interesting. Uh, you know, again, it was alleged. Is that true? That was all alleged. We don't know. We don't know. That that wouldn't. Many people say. <laughs> you know, that's not something that would that would uh, blow me over if I if I found out it was true. I would not be surprised. Yeah. So. No, and it was a lot of money. I mean, they were they were funneling a lot of money into that university. Yeah. So. All right. Well, one last item. 
and and uh, and then we got to sign off because we're almost out of time. But I know you listen to a lot of Slipknot. <laughs> you're, you're, you're you're not talking about the song Slipknot. That's part of the whole Franklin's Tower thing that the Grateful Dead do. You're not no. talking about the band Help Slip- on the Way, Slipknot, and, and Franklin's Tower. That's not what we're talking about. The band Slipknot. Uh, no. They, yeah, they they have uh, they have elaborate makeup and they're kind of a metal band. Mm. Uh, and now their co-founder, whose name is Sean. Crayhan, but he he goes by the name of Clown. Okay. So if you're a Slipknot fan, you may not know Sean Crayhan, but you definitely know Clown. Okay. So he is launching his own cannabis line. Uh, Heavy Grass, it's called. Heavy Grass, okay. And then they're putting out a special edition called Hashbone, <laughs> and that is a, a package that includes six half-gram pre-rolls with matches, because you need, need matches, in a soft-touch black matte case with original artwork. Wow. Slipknot-related artwork, I would assume. So, uh, and in a press release, uh, Clown said, just remember, it's medicine. There you go. So, anyway, for you Slipknot fans. Uh, are you a Slipknot fan? Well, I... I, I mean, at this station, you play uh, Nina Simone and Frank Sinatra, and... Uh, Work in some is, slip- is there a place for Slipknot here on the lounge? We'll work in, we'll work in some Slipknot. Uh-huh, okay. Just, just for you. <laughs> Super fan number one. Over there, there you go. There you go. Well, it, so uh, those are the headlines, huh? That is it. That is the headlines, and uh, that will wrap things up. All right. All right. Well, you know, we're going to... Uh, uh, continue doing the uh, Humboldt Chronicles the third Wednesday of every month, which means we will see you next time on the third Wednesday of June, which is like the 16th, I think, of June at six o'clock. All right. Thank you, sir.